It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors, Masai Ujiri speaks. Masai had his season-ending press conference yesterday, and we'll run some of the most interesting clips from that and discuss them. Dig into player development, why the Raptors seem like they're very much set on the core they have right now in building and developing from within. We'll talk about his comments about Nick Nurse and the Lakers. We'll talk about his impassioned support of Pascal Siakam and the season he just went through as well. We will get into all of that and so much more on today's Masai Ujiri heavy episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for being here. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on welcome to episode number 1171 of locked on raptors for wednesday may the 4th i'm your host sean woodley of raptorshq.com you can find me on twitter as always at woodley sean you can find the show at locked on raptors and you can support the podcast by uh, following it subscribing to it rating it reviewing it all on your favorite podcast apps for the low low price of free you can also go to youtube and subscribe to the show there it's just a big red subscribe button you'll see it just click it and you have done your d- good duty of supporting the podcast so thank you in advance for doing that. Nearly 2,000 subs. Let's push towards that before, I don't know, maybe the end of the month or the draft. Who the who's to say? But 2K would be very fun to hit. And thanks to everyone who has supported and who and anyone who plans to support the YouTube channel in the future as well. All right, on today's show, it's just me going solo. And we're going to break down everything that we heard from Masai Ujiri's 45-minute-ish season-ending press conference on Tuesday, where he dug into all sorts of questions and mostly did the Masai thing where he says words and then I want to go run through a brick wall after it. It's just like my favorite annual tradition. Normally, I get to like go on a bike ride during this and I'll listen to Masai while I'm biking and then I put up the best time and the best speed that I'll put up all year long. Not the case. I'm kind of in a state of uh, sedentary life at the moment. But either way, uh, <laughs> that's my own problem. Masai Ujiri still very inspiring, very uh, just an engaging dude to listen to speak. And so we're going to dig into some of the bigger clips from yesterday to kind of sort through and sort of parse the meaning. And honestly, Masai was pretty forthcoming. You sometimes get these end of season post game things uh, or post season press conference things, and you know there's vagaries and there's well we're going to look at this, this, and this. And there was some of that where, you know, there weren't final decisions or anything like that to be made on, on the roster or the construction or anything like that for next year, but it does seem like Masai Ujiri has a pretty crystal clear vision of what he wants this team to look like, and it does kind of seem like the guys he ha- already has in-house are 
sort of the guys who are going to comprise that final image that he's going for, which is pretty interesting. So we'll dig into some of those clips. He's also got some great stuff or had some great stuff that is on Nick Nurse, who uh, is seemingly not going anywhere, considering Masai Ujiri was just roasting the Lakers nonstop over the course of his press conference, talking about how, yeah, I dream too. I have big dreams and all that. Uh, very, very good stuff. Uh, and so we'll, we'll address the Nick Nurse thing. Really not much to address. It doesn't seem like he's going anywhere, much like it doesn't seem most of the guys on the team are going anywhere. You know, we spoke about Chris Boucher as though he's still on the team, even though he's a free agent. He talked about Thad Young, a little bit less sort of committal, I would say, in the language around him, but certainly seems like he fits the mold of what they're looking for, and I would certainly hope he is at least, you know, going to be in consideration to come back. Obviously, Thad Young's a free agent. He can do whatever the hell he pleases, but would hope the Raptors are making an impassioned pitch to him. Um, but Pascal Siakam is another guy that we'll hear a clip about later on who, you know, Obviously, the last couple summers, there's all this, oh, well, Pascal, are they just going to trade him? Are they going to move on? Are they going to rebuild? Are they going to, you know, get younger, trade for depth? The whole, like, trading good players for depth thing is, like, the stupidest thing in the world to me, especially when you have a team that is known for developing its depth, uh, which we'll also get to on today's show. Lots of good clips to sort through, uh, but the Pascal one at the very end was uh, really stirring and really awesome to see from, from Masai Ujiri talk about a guy who's gone through a whole, whole lot. So we'll play that in the back part of the show. Let's begin, however, with uh, Masai's comments about the core itself. He spoke about, you know, the idea of are they going to go add, you know, a big, are they going to go and add extra size or, or shooting or guards or whatever it might be. And Masai does seem pretty steadfast and the guys that they have in-house are going to be the guys they ride with and then it's just tinkering on the margins. Let's tune in to this clip here from Masai Ujiri breaking down the core being the core. We are going to make, you know, like a, a little changes here and there, you know, like and obviously we have a mid-level exception uh, that we can use and um, we'll try and find some flexibility in, you know, bid trades or to add players if, if that comes about. But the core is the core and um, bearing injuries and things that, you know, like um, you feel... Um, kind of hinder your team uh, a little bit along the way. We will, um, we, we feel that there's going to be growth uh, internally because um, Precious was not the same player he was in, in the beginning of the season. Neither was Boucher, neither was Malakai. I think, um, I think players like Delano, Justin, those guys will make a jump. They'll get, they'll get better, and they need to be given opportunity too because if we call our program a developmental program, well, we have to give those guys opportunity too. So that's Masai Ujiri digging into the core being the core, and I think it's important. He talked a lot in this post game so or post season keep calling it post game it's not post game he talked a lot in his press conference yesterday about you know the different developmental tracks and speeds that guys go along and i think that's kind of an important thing to keep in mind when you're thinking about this team they won 48 games this year they were ahead of schedule they surprised a lot of people by winning the number of games that they did and looking as impressive as they did over the back half of the season but it's really important to keep in mind that not everybody develops at the same track just because scotty barnes was 
was ready to be like the third or fourth best player on the team the second he stepped on the floor. Doesn't mean the guys behind him who obviously have lower draft pedigree and just like lesser tools overall. Doesn't mean those guys are going to be ready to just hop in right away. And I think it's really important to exercise patience here. And honestly, this is kind of my, kind of my thing when it comes to team building. This is the philosophy that I guess watching the Toronto Raptors for the last 10 years has really instilled in me. You know, Masai Ujiri understands the lot in life that the Raptors occupy, right? This is a team that is never going to be a massive free agent player. This is a team that's never going to be a team that can go and throw its might around and just attract players to come and play here. And so they have to do it a little bit differently. And if the sort of way the Raptors go about things is slowly developing, being patient, working on building a shadow core while also winning on the side, like that's a really difficult thing to do. They've proven they can do it though. They've proven they have the the systems and the resources in place between Raptors 905 and the development staff they have going on down there, the coaching sort of pipeline they seem to have built with guys and, and, and women from the Raptors bench going down to the 905 and then cycling back up and through. It's all part of the process of building this team into a team that will have contention windows right it's not going to be a team that can just go out and say all right well we'll solve all our problems by signing a guy into cap space very few teams can go about that and some teams delude themselves into thinking they can go and do that into thinking they can go and you know accelerate things and move things faster than they can actually go and skip steps Think about the Knicks, for example, or really any team, the Mavericks, any team that has really sort of built themselves around cap space. The Raptors even kind of found this a little bit, right, when it came to the 2021 offseason where they ended up losing Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka because they held out the hope that maybe, maybe, maybe that Giannis Antetokounmpo would become available in the summer of 2021. This was, of course, the summer of 2020 where they lost Ibaka and Gasol. But it stands to the whole point of you can't skip steps and you have to sort of be patient and methodical about it when you're in a position like the Raptors are where they're not a glamour franchise, but they do have a lot of cachet and they have a lot of money and they have a lot of resources to help them build them th themselves up into a team that can punch with the teams that have the cap space and the flexibility and the wherewithal to go out and sign stars. And so, yeah, it's got to be patient. It's got to be slow. It's got to be methodical. And just because Delano Banton kind of stands after his first couple weeks in the NBA doesn't mean that next season he can't be part of that shadow core and, I, and I've talked about how I think a lot of the internal growth that the Raptors are going to need in terms of you know shot creation in terms of three-point shooting like I think a lot of that can come from inside you know Masai mentioned the mid-level exception maybe there are some trades to sort of balance the roster or tinker on the margins or whatever it might be but it does really seem like the Raptors are committed to sort of redoing the model they did last decade and look if you, you want to be a team that can go win five championships in a row or be in the finals five times in a row, whatever it might be, be dynastic, that's great. Not everybody can do that. And I think the Raptors have been pretty smart in the way that they've looked at their position in the NBA and adjusted to it in terms of the way they go about building their team. And I think that patience comment and the, just sort of the... The, the, the trust that Masai seems to have in their ability to instill winning habits. And this is the thing he talks about all the damn time, right? It's winning, 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 winning. All we care about is winning. But obviously, they're not winning a championship every year. He's not getting discouraged by that because as long as there's winning habits and positive progress and, and forward momentum going, that is part of the whole winning culture that he's looking for. And so, yeah, it, you know, not that I was expecting Masai to come out and say, well, we got to trade everybody and move on from the whole crew. I do think it was a nice affirmation of what I think most sort of level-headed people with this team are hoping to see this offseason. And it's nice to know. It's just, I still haven't really totally 
understood the whole concept of front offices for the teams I like being good. It's kind of like an exclusive thing across the board where all the front offices for the teams I like are good right now. Masai, obviously, and Bobby Webster and the whole Raptors crew kind of being chief among them. But uh, it's a really, really nice feeling to know that they say things and it's like, oh, yeah, they have a vision and a plan here. There's really no need to worry about what's going on. Uh, On the other side, we're going to dig into uh, some talk about some, some other items in terms of development and things like that that Masai Ujiri got into. He spoke a lot about he was a really good question by Amy Otterbert who asked about like non-negotiables within the Raptors franchise when they're looking for players are there certain things that certain boxes that they have to check we're going to get to that clip in just one second here but first I do want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar, who are making the best tasting protein bars money can buy. The very best part about Built Bars is that they're healthy and delicious. It's not one or the other. No more sacrificing tasty food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both, and it's easy. All you got to do is go to Built.com and order right now. All their bars and puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. That means with Built Bar, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. Have you ever tried the Built Puffs, by the way? They are delicious. I'm not terribly fond of marshmallow myself, but even I really can kind of get down with a Built Puff, and uh, they're really, really great. They come in awesome flavors like banana cream pie and even churro, and why would you not want a protein bar that tastes like a churro and only has 140 calories? That seems like a pretty good deal to me. Most of their bars contain just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. That is about an eighth of the sugar you're going to get in a typical candy bar, but half the calories and you get all the good stuff, the protein, power you through your day. It's a nice meal replacement. Whatever you want, Built Bar can be that for you to help you stop being so indulgent or at least make you feel like you're being indulgent without actually doing it. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's continue on here, digging into Masai Ujiri's season-ending press conference yesterday. You know, he was also asked yesterday about the concept of, all right, do they have to go get a big? Do they have to go get a center to sort of be a center and just sort of for the sake of it? And he did not seem terribly enthused by the idea of going in and, you know, spending a ton of resources on a center. He talked about, yeah, we're going to go and we're going to build and we're going to, you know, be opportunistic and if trades prevent, pre- present themselves, then great. But, you know, he did not seem all that in on the concept that, like, the biggest need for this team is a center. And honestly, I think that probably is tied to a lot of belief in Precious Achua, who, as I've talked about, kind of does the things that you want a center to do, who can kind of unlock everyone playing at six foot nine and still make it a viable way forward in, you know, the future, not, you know, and beyond the season and potentially in the postseason and all that stuff. Um, you know, that that was a part of it. And I really don't think there's going to be a quick jump to go and try to add a center to this team. Masai seems like he totally is bought in on the idea of the, of the Raptors here as they're constructed, as they, you know, seem like they're going to be constructed going forward here. Uh, and Amy Audibert asked a really interesting question about the sort of non-negotiables when it comes to 
guys the Raptors go out and look for. It's no secret. Like they are very meticulous when it comes to evaluating character and evaluating personalities and all this type of stuff, in addition to on-court playing ability. And I kind of talked about this yesterday when we were talking with Vivek Jacob about adding to the team and the sort of necessity of having guys who you know, our defense first and we'll play the defense. That's kind of the first prerequisite to play in a Nick Nurse team and to play for the Raptors, it seems. And that obviously limits the pool of guys that you have that you're at your disposal. It obviously makes it difficult to go out and find pieces that fit exactly your mold, but it does make it so when you do find guys that fit them, it's just kind of a perfect marriage. Um, and Masai was asked by Amy Otterbird about the non-negotiables when they go and look for players. I thought this was an interesting answer. So let's go ahead and play it. Yes, you know, we're trying to we're trying to get as many athletes as we can, um, you know, shooting premium in the league, you know, it's not that they're not easy to uh, to find. Um, and that's why, uh, Eric, to your question, you know, like we try to develop, you know, as at the best as you can. And the best way to explain it sometimes is patience, you know, we am within and not all players are going to develop as fast as uh, the other sometimes it takes time you know like i'm um that's why you know sometimes uh, a guy like um o'Shea goes somewhere else you know like and you see you know like this it, it takes time and it's developed and he's playing on another team right like you just give that example i don't mean to mention another team's player but um this is these are the examples you have you um you have where uh, sometimes, you know, like it takes time for them to develop and sometimes, you know, you shut the door too quick. We have to make that judgment and then we have to bring other um, uh, players uh, to our team. I think um, character, athletic ability, um, we like two-way players, everybody does, you know, they're hard to find. Um, but we try to build from within. <laughs> so there that is again, trying to build from within being the thing that Messiah was really kind of touting yesterday. It does not sound like he's itching to go and pull a Rudy Gobert trade or anything like that. It really does seem like they know the guys that they want. They know the guys they have in-house. And, uh, you know, I've talked about this. I think Justin Champagny figures to be like an actual regular rotation fixture next season, considering what he did in short spurts with the Raptors, the offensive rebounding acumen and all of that stuff, the defensive uh, growth that he kind of, you know, showed, showed in a very short amount of time, it seemed, kind of playing as a center, despite being six foot six in a lot of the situations he was asked to play in. Like, that's really impressive to me. And, you know, you got Delano Benton. There's going to be some growth there. You know, it feels like the Raptors are ready to double down on this whole six foot nine thing. And while I think you know, it would be nice to have just like a typical seven footer out there to go and toss into a specific matchup against maybe just one exact guy in the Eastern Conference and Joel Embiid, I, I really don't think it is that much of a pressure point to be like, well, we got to go get him now, right? Like, I, as I've said before, I've made this argument, like the Marcus Gasol trade was the final piece to that championship team, and it was done for a specific reason. They needed a quarterback for their defense, they needed to tie the offense together with a passing and playmaking big, and they needed someone to go up against Joel Embiid in a potential playoff series, and it was a perfect little fit. That's the kind of deal you can make when you're right on the precipice, and I think this team as constructed can get themselves to the precipice to the point where that 
deal does become maybe something they look for, you know, just because it's a specific thing to help in a specific playoff series. So, yeah, I, I am uh, happy to hear that Masai feels like, you know, the patience is going to kind of be the thing. And they're really going to prioritize getting the guys who fit the mold that they're looking for. They're not going to go and just add guys for the sake of adding guys. I don't think they're going to go and add some shooter who can't defend or anything like that just for the sake of adding a shooter who can't defend. And so I am pretty excited and, and intrigued by uh, what this offseason could hold, mostly because it's going to be a chill offseason, it seems, which is great. Like, I, I've said this as well. Like, the Raptors, the last five offseasons have been uh, tumultuous. They've been stressful as hell. You get Kyle Lowry leaving. You get Abaka and Gasol leaving with Giannis maybe or maybe not signing the Supermax and the sort of thing that was hanging over the team at that point. The whole thing they'd been lining up all their cap space for all came crashing down that summer, and they ended up with Aaron Baines and a trip to Tampa Bay as a result. The year before, you trade literally... <laughs> Kawhi Leonard and DeMar, or sorry, you lose Kawhi Leonard and, and uh, Danny Green. Year before, you trade DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard. Year before that, you almost lose Kyle Lowry in free agency until he circles back after the market doesn't really bear anything for him. Like, it's crazy the degree to which the Raptors have had stressful ass off seasons in recent years. And I am personally very excited for a relaxing one where the Raptors just kind of count on what they do well. There's no need to rush this thing. There's no need to move guys out for the sake of moving guys out. They seem to understand that, yeah, they overshot their, their expectations a little bit this year. And they're not going to let that sort of change or warp their thinking about what the team is going to be. And they're going to stick with the sort of methodology methodology by which they find players, by which they assemble talent on the roster, by which they develop and all that. And I think that's, uh, you know, again, it should be music to any Toronto Raptors fans' ears that that's what the Raptors are currently talking about. That's what Masai Ujiri is talking about. There's no sort of, well, we got to make a look at significant changes or anything like that. And he was not shy after that 2018 season for example where they got swept once again the whole rise of lebronto and everything like that you know Masai was very much not so committal when it came to what the offseason was going to look like he didn't even have you know as much of a committed sort of view of the team after last season when kyle lowry was on the way out maybe that makes sense considering it was a season where they won 27 games or whatever it was but um you know he seems very very content with what the team is and that should be just absolute uh, like music and happiness to any Toronto Raptors fans ears because you know this is a team that does not need to go and skip steps or rush ahead. They can kind of build this thing slowly and be very comfortable with it because they've got sort of the older vet core who can kind of carry the day now. They've got the younger core sliding in. It seems like they marry each other very, very nicely and there's a lot of cohesion between the sort of two timelines going on with the, in the team. It's weird to talk about two timelines between like a 20-year-old and a 27-year-old or 27-year-olds or whatever it might be. Um, but, you know, you get the point. It is uh, a good place to be in if you're sort of, um, you know, kind of comfortable with what the Raptors have going on and looking ahead to next season and realizing, hey, most of the sort of tools to improve, to address a lot of the problems, might already be in-house. And they have some ways and, and maneuverability to go and add stuff around it. Um, but, you know, this, you know, Masai, Masai even talked about Malachi Flynn as a guy he thinks can still develop into something special or, you know, some, kind of follow the Fred line of development development or whatever it might be that's a pretty hard thing to ask considering Fred is like a very very rare developmental case but uh you know th th there still seems to be a lot of belief in the guys they have in house and I think that is a very very good thing if you are a supporter of this basketball team we're going to continue on and get to Masai's very very touching comments about Pascal Siakam which seem to suggest that dude's not going anywhere which again should be music to everybody's ears 
I, I think the sort of dumb, low-hanging fruit when it comes to talking about the Raptors is, well, Pascal's 28 years old. He's basically ancient. They should just go and trade him already. Uh, why am I doing that in a weird New, New York, New Jersey accent? Who's to say? Uh, maybe that's just what I associate with bad sports takes, thanks to, you know, uh, like Mad Dog and Mike and the Mad Dog or whatever it might be. But either way. We're going to get to that Pascal clip on the other side. A very, very touching thing from Masai. And uh, it was uh, really, really, really great. And if you haven't seen it yet, you're going to hear it. And you might cry. So we'll get to that in just one sec. But, but first, I just want to remind you that we have a daily podcast called Locked On Today. It is our general sports podcast covering all the biggest stories from the night before. Right now, you've got the NBA playoffs featured on there heavily. The NFL draft was last week. There's still follow-up from that they're sorting through. And the NHL playoffs are going on as well. The Maple Leafs go for uh, their second win against the Lightning tonight in Toronto. That should be a ton of fun so go listen to locked on today to get the lowdown on all the biggest stories in sports each and every day it's a wonderful 18 20 minute start to your day to get everything you might need to know before you head off and start work or whatever it might be so go check out locked on today wherever you get your podcasts the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's get to it now. Pascal Siakam was a topic of discussion from Messiah Ujiri yesterday. Uh, was asked just about sort of the, I think it was Kayla Gray who asked the question. Asked about his growth as a player. Asked asked about his sort of perseverance through some really tough times. We, we know the stories by now. Michael Grange wrote a great feature on this for Sportsnet a couple weeks ago. If you haven't read it, go read it. Digging into Pascal's really arduous road back from where he was at the time the NBA shut down in March 2020, where he was, you know, the last game he had played was one of the best games of his pro career against the Jazz in Utah. He was incredible, just an unbelievable, all-encompassing performance, you know, an all-NBA season from Pascal Siakam that year, but it was totally derailed by the offseason and everything that took place, not the offseason, the shutdown and the fact that he was stuck in his condo in Toronto with visa issues and couldn't get to the States to go and play, couldn't get out of the damn apartment when everything was still locked down and super scary at that start of the of the lockdown in 2020 and he lost a season essentially and then that led into tampa where you know i think the sort of struggles that he had are certainly over documented probably a little bit too much fixated on some missed late game shots or whatever it might be overall we saw a lot of the seeds that we saw sprout this season planted during the tampa season um but it was still a really long and arduous road and then he goes and gets the shoulder injury and has to deal with that as well and come back this season under a whole new cloud of questions about his health and whether he's even fit to be part of this team going forward are they going to trade him because they happen to draft a guy who's as tall as him Again, all these very dumb, low-hanging fruit conversations, but Pascal Siakam, hopefully, however, they've been put to bed, and anyone who just, like, speculates, say, oh, well, maybe they'll trade Pascal this summer, take, or whatever it might be in the offseason, just send them this clip. We'll hear it right now. Masai Ujiri on Pascal Siakam. Man, that one is a, it's a touchy one, you know, like, because this, what that guy went through, uh, like, we all go through it and it's not advertised. His is advertised, his is public because he is a public figure. I'm so proud of him. Uh, there's, there's nothing 
Watching his press conference the other day, yeah, I want that guy on my team. I want, I want, I want that kind of fighter on my team. If you can come back from that in life, you saw it. You saw what people called him racist. All the things that were said about that guy because of basketball, because of sports. Yeah, he gets paid, but he's also a human being, right? Yeah. And he stood it, withstood it, went. When he was coming back, got hit again, uh, got injured. Yeah. Those things crack people, right? And he grew out of it. And to see him on that stage, you know, fight, or fight and fight. Yeah. That's who you want to go to war with, to battle with. I'm proud of him. Incredibly proud of Pascal. That's who you want to go to war with, indeed. Uh, just a really, really touching sentiment from a guy. And look, Pascal was not always in the best graces with the team, right? We're a year and a half removed from him feuding with Nick Nurse and getting benched and all of this stuff. Like, there's been a long road here. And look, for me, I don't know, everyone you views basketball their own way, right? But for me, I'm always going to really kind of gravitate towards the guys who do get a lot of shit, frankly, and unjust shit. Like, it's a reason why I root hard for Carl Anthony Towns, a guy who's been through a lot of stuff and a guy who has been constantly questioned about, oh, can he win? And look, maybe he can't. I don't know. But I root for that guy nonetheless because of all of the questions that are constantly asked of this guy who is like one of the 20 best players alive. The same thing applies to Pascal Siakam. You know, it's the reason why Kyle Lowry is someone who I think is so near and dear to Toronto Raptors fans' hearts. This is a guy, and look, plenty of people question Kyle Lowry in his early days with the Raptors too, after playoff exits and things like that. And again, it kind of ties back to the thing we talked about at the very beginning, the whole concept of patience and letting things ride at, ride out and run their course. The NBA has a way of kind of redeeming a lot of these storylines and arcs for these guys. And specifically when you're within a team like the Raptors that is so patient and so willing to ride through the dark spells in the interest of hopefully coming through on the other side, you know, you stand a really good chance of actually having that redemptive arc. And we've seen that from Pascal. The fact that Masai talked about him being a guy you want to go to war with, I mean, I don't think he says that lightly. You know, Pascal, Masai is like maniacal when it comes to his desire to win games and his desire to win championships. And like we've seen that he is not someone who's afraid to make a bold move if there's someone on his team who is preventing him from getting to that ultimate goal. We saw him trade DeMar Rosen, and in pretty like ghoulish fashion, frankly. And it's something I think he probably regrets to this day. We saw him fire Dwayne Casey after he won coach of the year. Like he's not afraid to say when, you know, a thing on the team is not working and is standing in the way of his ultimate goal of winning. And the number of times he said win, winning over the course of that 45-minute press yesterday speaks to how intently focused he is on that one goal. The fact that he just said that about Pascal Siakam, I think, should put to bed any concerns that he's going anywhere anytime soon. Why would you trade away Pascal Siakam right now? You know, as, but, as much as it was dumb last summer to be like, oh, we'll trade Pascal Siakam, like he was at the bottom of his value trade-wise. Also, it was just probably kind of a ghoulish thing to do. Um, and really, you're not, it wasn't going to benefit anybody, it seemed, in that situation. And why would you trade him now where he's obviously established himself as an all-NBA-level player again? You don't just go trade all-NBA-level players because they are not the, the guy who's going to win you a championship on, the, on his back like he's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Not everybody 
is Giannis and Pascal Siakam is a damn good player. And, you know, I'm glad that Masai appreciates that. And it really was touching to see him sort of, you know, nearly brought to tears to talk about the arc that Pascal Siakam has gone through and endured. And it's been a really satisfying thing as a fan. I know that like Pascal for me is one of everyone has their guys right everybody has the people they really really latch on to and pascal for me is like already in the pantheon of like a kyle lowry um one of these guys who are just going to kind of be forever raptors in my head and that's uh, a pretty special thing to have it's not a common thing to have i think raptors fans have been spoiled because the last 10 years have been so rich with great players and championship and all of this stuff and deep playoff runs but it's a rare thing to have guys that you can identify with like that and kind of go through the ups and downs of a career with. And, you know, Pascal is going into year seven next season. It's been a long time and it's not coming to an end anytime soon either, it would seem. And, you know, my hope is, is that he backs up, Masai backs up those conversations that those, those sort of beautiful touching words about Pascal and extends his ass this offseason to keep him around even longer. I think he's up for a three-year, $130 million extension. It's kind of the max they could give him this offseason. If they wait till next summer, it could be the five-year Supermax. Um, so we'll see. But I, I think, uh, you know, try to get that dude locked in long-term. That's a dude you want to go to war with, as Masai said. And I, I could not agree more. With that, especially when you consider the rise of Scotty Barnes and the way those two guys play off of one another. The fact that you have two guys who are 6'9", or whatever Scotty Barnes is now, 7'1", who the hell knows? He's tall and long and freaky. Um, but, you know, you got two guys who can handle the ball, who can defend at, like, an insane multi-positional level, who pass the way they do. Like, that's a rare commodity to have. And, like, why would you want to go and get rid of one of them when you have two? Masai even said yesterday, like, if I could build a whole team out of Precious's and Scotty's and Pascal's, I would. I could get 15 six-foot-nine guys and I'd be happy. Um, and it really does not seem like Pascal's going anywhere. Not that I thought there was any concern about that, but, you know, it's that time of year. People get weird. People get stupid. And uh, it's good to just sort of squash all that immediately. And if anybody, if someone in your entire, uh, you know, orbit this offseason says, I wonder if they're going to trade Pascal, just send them that clip. And uh, I think that should probably squash that notion pretty quickly with that we are going to wrap up the podcast thank you so much for tuning in for supporting the show for making us your first listen of the day it's always very appreciated uh and we'll be back again tomorrow we're going to do a player review with yasmin duala from yahoo sports and basketball news and all over the place not exactly sure who we're going to review just yet yasmin is still waiting to pick and tell me which player we're going to do but that will be a lot of fun we've also got a couple of player reviews lined up for next week samson folk was supposed to come on friday he's actually going to come on next week i think we're gonna get katie Heindel on Friday for a player review. But next week, we got Samson Folk lined up to talk about Precious Achua. Krita Mustafa is going to jump by to talk about Fred Van Vliet next week as well. So that's going to be a blast. So uh, that's what you got to look forward to the next few days here. Thank you, as always, for tuning in and making us your first listen. Go make your second listen, Locked On Leafs, as the Toronto Maple Leafs get to take get set to take on the Tampa Bay Lightning in their second game of their first round series. Leafs won five nothing in game one. Made me very happy. If you are a Leafs fan, you want to go hitch your what red hitch your wagon? Yeah, hitch your wagon to the Toronto Maple Leafs, or hitch yourself to the Leafs wagon. I don't know what the phrasing is I'm looking for here. Either way, go support Locked On Leafs uh, with Mike DeStefano and Dave Morissuti giving you all the deets on what the Leafs are doing in the postseason. And with that, we will round out today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you Thursday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye.
Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.